It's almost 100 degrees at this point when I'm recording this show. And I'm doing it for you because I want you to feel guilty every time you hear this show. I'm the only show, the only show on the radio or in the podcast world who tries to guilt you into understanding that I do this reluctantly. <laughs> Are you excited? Are you excited about episode 19? I just did it again. I keep calling them the years because it's in the 90s and I associate so heavily with the year. Not personally. I don't know what the 90s were. I'm only 30. Hey, Jet, if you were 30, you would have been born during the 90s. Yeah, whatever, dude. Don't do the math. That's for nerds, you nerd. This is not 1992. This is episode 92 of Psychotherapy with your host, Jet Dunlap. Transparency and clarity. Those are the topics of this episode, even though those words are not used till the end. But that is what I'm talking about. Is there value in this episode? It's worth its weight in gold. Think about that. My words, worth their weight in gold. Is this episode specifically for you? Yes. Is this the episode you've been waiting for to change your life? Yes. The person who recommended you to this episode really knows you and what you need, and you should thank them. I don't want to give you much more because I want you to be blown away. I am Jet Dunlap. This is Psychotherapy. And it's not episode 1992 because that is not an episode for a long time from now. It is episode 92 and it starts right now. First you have to know that uh, it's 95 degrees right now outside and in order to be able to do this show i cannot use the air conditioner because that would be acoustically bad so you will hear over the progress of this episode a man get hotter and hotter although can you really hear that (laughs) i don't know that you can but it's a fact and in front of me is the uh thermometer it's not really a for thir- it's not even a thermometer which is a monitor of fur it is a thermometer but it's more like a little weather station that i have that we got from costco years ago that tells you wind speed and all the other pertinent barometric pressure information that today's consumer really needs it says it's 95 but it's also right in front of me so i'll be very aware of the temperature increase and decrease But because I don't have the air conditioner on, I also will start to match the outside temperature. It's important you know that because I think in a lot of ways, people today think when they're listening to the radio or a podcast, I wonder what the physical comfort level of the voice I am hearing is. And so I'm giving that to you, the modern listener, what they want. A couple of things to go over today. First and foremost... I believe I'm somewhere around day six of the quitting depression concept. Would have called in school hypothesis because it is kind of a sociological experiment. They really spent a lot of time on the word hypothesis when I was in grade school. It seemed to be something that even I remember (laughs) and it takes a lot of uh, repetition for me to get something stuck in my head. 
So I had this idea the other day. Prior to feeling depressed, there was a there was a sequence that occurred, and this fascinated me. The sequence went like this. Something would trigger me. A photo of my grandfather on Gina and my anniversary of our wedding, which the wedding, as you know, as a longtime listener, was in large part a tribute to the kind of love I got from my grandmother and grandfather on my mother's side. They wanted a big party. They had a big family. My mom has 10 brothers and sisters, large family. So when I saw this picture, it kind of made me sad and nostalgic for my grandfather who's passed. I've heard about that a million times. But then that triggered something bigger. Now this happens all the time over much more minor events, but this is a good example, a good case study. That then triggered, I'm so sad that I wasn't able to become everything I wanted to in my grandfather's lifetime. I'm angry at myself for not having him see what I could potentially be. He never got to drive home one day and see a billboard with my picture on it in a movie I'm starring in. He never got to see me become the CEO of a major corporation. He never got to see me excel at a level that he deserved to see me because of how much education and nurturing he did for me in my life. It was my wish, and I expressed this wish very early, but definitely to Gino when we first started dating, that he would see me become everything everyone thought I couldn't. And when I saw this picture of the wedding, it was a sharp pain of regret. And then what happens after that? After I go down through that whole mental movie of what I didn't do to get my grandfather to witness the level of success that I wanted him to see me in. I'm an outlier in my family. My family is very educated and successful in the education field, but there is kind of a snobbery, call a spade a spade, as far as intelligence and degrees, which I have few of in the degree department, but plenty in the intelligence department. But it took me a long time to even come to terms with that because when your scale for success is based on something that preceded you, my family's belief in your title, lawyer, doctor, professor, being the measuring post, I was not successful under those terms. Now I did realign my grandfather's concept of intelligence based on me becoming something far more than any piece of paper could ever say that I was. That to say that he thought I was very intelligent and I didn't have a piece of paper to back that up. But so you see the process. It creates a cascade effect. When you play the game Jenga and someone pulls the last piece, it is not that piece that created the toppling. It is the combined pressure and lack of stability in the structure over the process of the game that creates the collapse. So what happens to me is that I'll look at something benign, like a picture that should bring back memories that are fond, which I don't I don't really experience. Maybe that's another thing that I should look at. I don't look at memories. If a memory is pleasant, then it is even more acute in it making me feel upset. Because a fond memory will remind you of the contrast between when you're experiencing that memory and the moment that it happened. But this is all kind of a uh, a trap anyway, because <laughs> when I was experiencing the memory, 
it's never as good in the moment as it is when I try and fantasize about how great it was in the past. Anyway, back to the Jenga pieces. My combating in this situation is when I have this initial boiling up emotion in my chest that we've all had, that kind of dread, that sadness, that fear, it will lead to a memory, which leads to a fear of the future, which causes panic in the present. And it's always the way, right? You can't get scared about the present. Isn't that interesting? Because if you are in fear of something, that means it's in the future. A lot of times we fear the future based on the results of the past. Everything that has ever made me who I am, every mistake I've ever made, has brought me to where I am today. And where I am today is not good. And the future can only hold worse. That is a not-too-foreign doom and gloom idea. But what is interesting about that is that it is with one foot in tomorrow, one foot in the past. Always. That's just how it has to be to create that fear. But let me go to my specific example of what's going on. When I have this mental movie start to play through my head and I start to feel these precursors of emotion, the sadness goes into a story and narrative that I've created and really solidified over the years to make me upset. And then the very much rehearsed and familiar feeling of that turning into I'm doomed, I'll never be, back then I thought I'd be, I should have been, what a disappointment, blah, 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 blah. But without spending too much more time on what the negative sensation is, I will point to that moment as being where I am now running interference. So right then, when the sadness tries to turn into a story, which turns into more sadness, which turns into depression, which turns into me doing things in my day to make me more depressed, not anything bad, but just kind of live in that past regret and fear of the future being worse, I cut it off. So the other night when I was laying in bed, I felt this dread kind of come through me. I don't remember what triggered it. But what I did is I became transparent to the emotion and literally pictured it kind of falling through me, this feeling of sadness. You know those little sifters we had when we were kids? I think even young people had them back when they were kids, so 20 years ago or whatever it was. You you sifted the sand and before it went in the bucket and to make a more refined sand. Well, that's what I kind of make it feel like, that I'm letting this emotion just kind of sift through me and not letting it tack on to my moment and therefore not letting it tack on to my personality, which is my incarnated existence. And it's been working. That's the point. This is one of the only times, that's a lie for you longtime listeners, lie to me reference. That is a lie. This was a great time where I consciously eliminated that emotion. And it's been working for a while now. Quickly, it has become something that is working automatically. Where I will start to feel this very familiar anxiety. People call it so many different things now. Anxiety is not bad. Depression is, you know, if we look at it in the chemical sense, is bad. But sadness is not bad. Regret is not bad. Pain is not bad. All of these things are reminders from your body telling you that something is out of sync with the homeostasis that should be your existence. If you break your ankle and you try and step on it, signals from your ankle will shoot up to your brain and say, this is not good, 
take the pressure off this ankle, we need to heal, okay? Same thing with being sick. Why is our body doing that? Our body, <laughs> if we could flip a switch and turn that off, not feel the pain, okay? Sometimes adrenaline almost makes you feel this way because adrenaline's high means the moment requires you to do things in spite of pain. But if you could just flip a switch, you'd end up destroying yourself at a very young age. So this pain, whether it be emotional or physical, does have a positive effect. It is what we do with it that is important. And me becoming transparent to these emotions of sadness prevents it from becoming full-fledged depression. Now, the interesting thing about this to me, and I've probably said the interesting thing too many times, so you be the judge of whether or not it's interesting, okay, friend? If I can do this, it can be done. I don't need to run a clinical trial. I don't need to have a thousand people in a double-blind university waste of money test to figure out if it can be done. And I'd love to get rid of all of that. I don't know. That sounds pretty bold. <laughs> Who knows? I might do some damage. I don't have a magic wand, so you don't have to worry about me having that power. But here's the deal. If I can do it, you can do it. You've heard that a hundred times, probably even as a kid. But here's why. Chemically, I'm different physically I'm different. I'm a different person, no question. But if it's possible for one human, it's possible for another, especially when we're talking about emotional reaction. I would have, at some point in my life, thought, no, I can't. You don't know my story. Now, I wouldn't have said that. A lot of kids today say that. You don't know me. You don't know my past, blah, blah, blah. And most of the people who say this, and I'm not going to go down this road, come from a very charmed past. And they're just injecting this drama to make themselves feel more than they actually are. Because right now in time, there is a great amount of value and pride put to your disabilities, which is counterintuitive, but it has its positive sides. I don't think I would have ever done this show if it wasn't for the fact that there's a generation out there that said, hey, we want to hear about your depression. We want to know how that affects you and you might be able to help us. That definitely wasn't the way my life was 10 years ago, 20 years ago. So there is a benefit, but we must not revel in that fact, and we must not make ourselves that. I've said before, but let me make it very plain. I am not a white guy. I'm not a tall guy. I'm not a California guy. I'm not a dyslexic guy. I'm not a depressed guy. I'm not that thing. I'm none of those things. What defines me as a person is the actions that I make today. And trying to base my existence on a past or conditions that have definitions today that were different definitions in the past and will be different definitions in the future would be to solidify what I am. And there is the real point of this whole story is the difference between solidity and transparency. You're an ugly, stupid, fat Stupid. Did I say stupid? Jerk. Okay. I say that to you. You let it affect your day. You yell at your wife. You yell at your husband. You yell at your kids. They have a bad day. They go out and do the same thing. Sticks and stones, man. They'll break your bones, but names, they'll never hurt you. Right? We need to let go of this justified anger. I hate the president. I hate everything he does and everything that's done. Sure, okay, fine, that's okay. But is it ruling your life? Are you then looking at everyone and everything in your life through that same lens? Is that morning cup of hate 
helping you go through your day? You already know how I feel about this, but you just got tricked by a business. Just like uh, Macklemore said, that's $50 for a t-shirt. That's some ignorant blah, blah, blah. He cuts this. Talks about how a special edition t-shirt costs 50 bucks and that you were tricked by a business and that he sees you know, a bunch more of those shirts at this club. That's not really important. I don't like to break down Macklemore's uh, lyrics. <laughs> He's the guy who's saying thrift shop. But my point is, you got tricked. The truth is, things go on places that are good and bad. And I feel like, just like you for the last four years, that Washington has been far too much on my radar. But what does it do for you? What are the actions we can do? It's like hating yourself for being fat, hating yourself for being skinny. I mean, I guess that happens. Hating yourself for anything that you're trying to change. The hate does nothing. Don't buy into this nonsense, okay? It's worth saying every single episode. It's worth you saying yourself every day. Don't let Tina, Trisha, or Barbalax at your work make you upset by talking to you about politics. But also don't let yourself looking at something make you upset because then you're taking out on the people you love. And that's not cool. Don't give the bad people in this world the power for you to pass that on to the people that you care about, good people. Right? Okay, now let's talk about negativity being a motivator. You know this is huge for me. This month, the month of July, our Lord 2020, I challenged myself to a 100 outdoor running mile. I, I stack those words in a way that doesn't have a conclusion. So let me try one more time. Can I get a can I get a mulligan? Yeah, that's okay. Yeah, they say it's okay, so I can do it. Never played golf, but I like the idea of a mulligan. I'm sure it has something to do with a guy who's Irish whose last name is Mulligan. But stop getting me off track. I decided to run 100 miles this month on the street, challenged my buddy Rich, challenged my brother Steven, and it's been great. You know, it's very hot, 90 degrees today, so I have to figure out when to do it later, but that's good. I also gave myself a 5,000 push-up challenge. Now, in my push-ups, I have an app on my phone where I have to bring my chest down to the phone to qualify as a push-up, so it's not just like on the honor system. And there's a key right there in the fact that I'm telling you even though you don't care how I don't cheat at push-ups. We'll get back to that in a second. So 100 miles, 5,000 push-ups, a certain amount of podcasts, and a screenplay being done edited. I wrote it down, I put it on a piece of paper, and I framed it and put it on what you would have as the living room of your house so you could see it every day right under the TV. Gina keeps on moving it because when we leave, the dog will run around and she'll step on it, but I keep putting it up. The reason I do this is because I want it to be in my face. There's some advantages here. The 5,000 push-up thing is just me versus the app. And then the mileage thing, I competed with my brother and this guy, Rich, so that keeps me motivated. And then the other stuff just has to be self-motivation. But the reason I mentioned the fact that the push-ups were important to me doing them right is that with fitness, and it should be this way with everything, but fitness is easy in this sense. If you cheat at fitness, your body is the indication of that cheating. Something that we don't like about politics, government, and finance, when someone cheats, they are often rewarded. In your body, it's a great system to understand how to do something right because you can't cheat. You are the results of your efforts, and that's visible. 
that's what I like about it. I was telling my friend the other day who is talking about quitting drinking. Let's call him Snarbalax. I was telling Snarbalax that uh, the great thing about being fit, if you are comfortable in your own skin or you have accomplished something great with your body, you wear that when you meet someone. Yesterday, I did not want to run 10 miles, but my brother ran 10 miles in the morning to kind of catch up with where I was in my mileage because I was beating him and Rich. And once he did that, I knew I had to run 10 miles that night. And I got a personal record on my 10-mile run at 8 minutes and 30-something seconds per mile. Now, that's not my personal record overall when I was younger under different apps. Do you hear how I'm telling you this? How I'm clarifying this? Here's a key of this story that I didn't even mean to come out. Live honestly. I can't even tell you a story. I could have said that's my personal record. And I hit my personal record in running. But because I saw something that came up in a photo from years ago the other day, I saw that I actually was faster. It's funny because when I did hit my previous 10 mile, what I thought of as my past speed record, and I found out I didn't actually hit that, I went back and told everyone that I hadn't hit my personal speed record. What a useless thing to have to clarify, but it meant something to me. Because I can't challenge myself if I'm lying to myself. If I cheat for a push-up, I really see it this way, guys. I am one push-up less fit. And the other episodes, I talked about how I was cleaning things, and Gina was doing a huge job of cleaning around the house. And today I did the same thing because I listened to that episode and I thought, that's so great. The more clear things are, the more clear things are. The more clear your windows are, the easier it is to see through. The more clear your your mirror is, the easier it is to see yourself, realistically. And isn't that also a metaphor? The more clear you are mentally, the better you can see yourself accurately. And if you can see yourself accurately, isn't that easier to make change? Clarity and challenge. It's the hottest month of the year. I could have canceled this challenge. I know lots of people who do. <laughs> lots of people who do? You ludicrous idiot. I should do like phonics exercises like dot, 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 dot. I don't think that's a thing. But the words I say sometimes, man, whoo-wee, they are wrong. What a nutcase I am. You get what I'm saying, right? I want to end this on clarity. Clarity of mind, clarity of purpose, clarity of life, if possible. Or how about this, guys? You don't have to be me overnight. You don't have to be, I mean, I'm a terrible example. You don't have to be some great person in a field you admire. But clean your bathroom mirror. That's my task. Clean your bathroom mirror between now and next week or now and the next episode, unless you're driving. If you're driving, when you go to the gas station, clean your window. These things clear up your psyche. If you ever saw my prescription glasses, which I almost never wear, they're crystal clear. If I got a speck on them, I couldn't use them because my vision is so important to me. Jeannie used to have glasses before she got LASIK, and I swear you couldn't see two feet in front of you. It may have even been why I was able to land her as a wife because she thought I was some amorphous blob. And She's like, hey, that amorphous blob is a little better than that other amorphous blob because it chats and entertains me all day long with its word blah, blah, blah. So if nothing else, you understand that. Gina is with me because her glasses were too foggy to realize what a horribly hideous beast monster I am. Live clearly. Live transparently. And I'm out of words, and I will talk to you next time. Thank you so much, you brilliant, beautiful person, you. I'm Jet Dunlap for Psychotherapy, and this was... Do I need to tell you the episode? 1992. Not 1992. It's not 1992. It was episode 92. Thanks for listening. Let's not money the fact, clarity 
and transparency. Oh my god. Did I just do that? I'm resting my nose on my microphone right now because of what a dum-dum I am. The man who comes up with names like Barbalax and Farfalax and Carcalax can't even finish the sentence. Clarity and transparency. Those are your keys. Walk away with those. Waka waka. Sorry. Transparency. Clarity. I want that to be the last thing you hear. Jet Dunlap Psychotherapy. Thank you.